I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This, two, is one. The Real Brian Show. Uh, welcome back to TRB Unleashed. As promised, I am bringing you an interview with Abel James, who was on The Real Brian Show on episode 65 back in 2017. It's been almost three full years. Well, we will definitely be chatting about health since, you know, he knows a thing or two about that. Abel and his wife, Allison, sadly dealt with carbon monoxide poisoning recently, so he'll be sharing what happened with that and also how they have overcome and detoxed from that unfortunate experience. And we'll be talking about his crazy experiences with producing video. We did talk about that back in episode 65, so he gets to share that. We'll be discussing his new book, Designer Babies Still Get Scabies. And I know we'll be nerding out on music and, you know, other various things. So let us rock it. All right, starting your week off right. It's Monday. Happy Monday. This is the way to do this. You know, you're getting into the week and you're thinking, do I really have to go back to work or school or whatever it is you're doing? You're not really going to school right now, but you may be, you know, doing online classes one way or the other. And again, you don't even have to, most of you don't even have to go into work. You're just kind of like getting up and walking into your, I don't know, dining room, wherever you're working. Hey, I hope you have work though. I really do. I know many people right now have unfortunately been either laid off or temporarily out of work, whatever it is. So if you have work right now, man, be thankful. And if you don't, I really hope this ends soon. But thank you for joining us today. I'm very, very, very excited to bring on Abel James. It's TRB Unleashed. This is the way to start a week off. Now, here's the thing. When Abel and I recorded this, it was right before everything that was going on. So I actually had this set to air a couple of weeks ago. But then, you know, the insanity happened and I decided to push this episode back a little bit because I had some more timely episodes that I wanted to get out first. But, you know, it's crazy. What's going on is crazy. We didn't talk about anything that's going on in this episode because, like I said, it was beforehand. So take a little bit here and do a little bit of an escape when you listen to this episode. It's it's just happy. It's fun. It's positive. It's helpful. It's inspiring. Yes, we totally nerd out. Yes, we talk about unleashing the superhero. There are some incredibly helpful things here too. And I'll tell you what, you can apply any of these things, especially right now, to what we're dealing with. So enjoy this episode. We're going to have a lot of fun. Now, I talk about this and I've talked about this on, you know, the, the episodes in the last couple of weeks is to become that superhero you're meant to be, all right? Especially right now. Oh my gosh, we need it more than ever. You have to take care of yourself. You have to have that self-care mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all that. And this also means, as we've said, you got to unleash that superhero so that you can impact the world around you for the positive. I mean, we need it more than ever right now. Let's weather this together. Let's emerge from this victorious and let's thrive during this time. As I mentioned, Abel was on episode 65. Now we nerded out about a lot last time. So go back and listen to episode 65. If you have not ever listened to that episode, treat yourself because it's a great episode. And of course, right now with what's going on, and I know that, you know, some of you may listen to this episode years from now, which is great. And things will be very different then. But right now, you know, we're all dealing with this quarantine issue. So you can't get out. You can't go to your gyms and get the exercise you're used to getting. So There are things, you know, that we'll talk about today that can help you. But the biggest thing I would say is movement's important. Any kind of exercise you can get is important. There's a lot of, you know, online trainings right now that are free that'll kind of give you some in-home exercises. Do those. We need to eat healthier. (laughs) We need to be intentional about eating as healthy as possible now more than ever to keep your immune systems high. So I'm very, very, very excited for this episode. Let's just get right into it. Let me tell you about Abel James. He is a New York Times bestselling author, musician, online creator. He's the host of The Fat Burning Man Show, considered one of the top three health and fitness podcasts of all time. 
Abel has worked with thousands of people across the world to optimize performance, mindset, health, and longevity. He's even named one of the 100 most influential people in health and fitness. He's also a recording artist, a multi-instrumentalist, a voice actor, and he enjoys playing guitar and piano, writing, reading, sketching, running, hiking. He's a renaissance man. Let's, let's just say that. He is the author of The Wild Diet and also the new book of irreverent poetry called Designer Babies Still Get Scabies. It's a number one international bestseller in humor. Maybe it's time to get a little humor in your life right now with everything going on. It's a great book to pick up. It's funny to read. So let's rock it. Abel, my friend, welcome back to The Real Brian Show. Thank you so much, man. I have been looking forward to this one. Oh, me too. And can you believe that it's been two and a half years? We're coming actually up on three years since you were last on episode 65. It was June of 2017. What? Time for it. <laughs> Stop it. What happened? It's, it feels like it was yesterday. And then I went, wait, no. Was it really that? We just celebrated episode 200 recently. So yeah, it's been a while. Thank right you. as we hit 2020, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was pretty much right at the first of the year. We celebrated, had a good time, and just keep going. I appreciate that your show is audio only. Video <laughs> is rough. Social media and, well, I guess just podcasting and YouTube and all that has has changed the expectations. So like yeah. now we all have to be on camera forever, scrutinized forever yeah. <laughs> on every little thing. Every day, it's too much. It's too much for me anyway. So is it? batching is a big part of that. You know, we talked about that on episode 65. We, I was asking you what you were nerding out on. You were saying, oh, you know, music and I'm getting back into recording stuff. And you were talking about some of the recording gear you were getting. And then you were also at the time considering the whole video side of things. I was yeah. as well. And I actually haven't pulled the trigger on the video side of things because there's this overwhelming sort of, I don't know what it is, barrier to entry that just kind of it's not scary. It's more of a, do I really want to go down this? Road? Yeah. I don't know if I do be committed, you know? Yeah. But you have, in fact, you've gone pretty crazy on this. You've done what? 400, more than 400 immersive virtual reality and music videos and 360 <laughs> yes. degree videos. I, I want to know what this is all about. You've done all kinds of crazy <laughs> things. <laughs> oh God. So that, that was so much fun. My wife, Allison, her first career was as a touring pro video game player on a yeah. uh, all-female video gaming team called the Frag Dolls. So thankfully, oh, nice. I had a, a gamer wife. <laughs> you know, I was still and thinking so she needs to come on and talk about this sometime because oh, you know, we have yeah. a lot of gamers that listen to the show. Totally. Yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> so she had a background in this. So yeah, to some degree, an interest in a background, getting into video production is one thing, but getting into VR is pretty wacky. First of all, you've got to have a lot of hard drives. You know, I tinkered around with consuming VR, you know, being in the headset years ago. I remember all the way back to what was it, Virtua Boy that they, they sold oh, wow. for like a few weeks before yeah. they realized that it ruined everyone's eyes. <laughs> but with, I think it was around 2015, 2016, virtual reality started to like get over this next hump. Sam Sung started doing some cool work and making it accessible through phones. And then, mm -hmm. you know, Oculus has come out with some cheaper headsets that don't have to be tethered up to things. And then at the same time, you do have the ones that are hooked up to big, powerful computers. So I kind of experimented with after I did the ABC TV show, which was its own reality show thing. I'm just like, oh, my God, let's not do that again for a while, <laughs> even though it, it went well. But it was just emotionally and mentally exhausting. Yeah. So creating our own stuff on our terms was really fun. And 360 VR cameras started to get cheap around the past few years. Nice. So we, I was always really into audio from being a musician, turning knobs like you, Brian, and plunking keys from time to time and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But the video, I don't know. For me growing up, it cost a lot of money. You needed to know what you were doing. And yeah. a lot of people, supposedly you had to go to school for it. Yeah. So video was really intimidating for me at first. But... Then doing the VR, like getting a few 360 cameras, seeing the challenges of, of stitching those different camera lenses together in post-production forced me to really get better at video all around. So now when I'm producing just regular video, non-VR, it's way easier. So that's kind of cool. You like leapfrog one thing and then you go back to something that you thought was hard and it's actually not as intimidating. I mean, VR is not big enough yet to have much traction, especially with like the the general public, but mm -hmm. for the early adopters, it's really kind of a treat. There's some cool stuff out there, especially in the, like, there's a lot of neat music and real life stuff. I'm not as big of a fan of like the, the simulated horror experiences and <laughs> the roller coasters and that sort of thing. That yeah. seems more gimmicky to me. Yeah. 
Well, that's fascinating. So what's it been like for you then? I mean, are you are you enjoying it? Are you feeling like, wow, that was quite the undertaking? I mean, I'm sure you enjoyed it, but I I enjoyed it, but I stopped. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. So it's like I do things in spurts. Yeah. And I don't always know when they're gonna stop. It's yeah. really interesting. That's a good way to do things though. I think. I think so. Yeah, you have to follow that energy, like create the space in your own life to be like, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, VR sounds weird and cool. And like, <laughs> let's do that for no reason for a while until we get tired of it. And then <laughs> once you're tired of it and you've taken a break from all this other stuff, it's like, oh man, I can't wait to do my podcast now and and yeah. just talk to the same old people about the same old stuff and eating vegetables. Nice. But that gets really boring after a while. I get bored of telling people to eat their vegetables and go outside and exercise. So <laughs> sometimes you just need to... <laughs> unplug yep. and then do something else for a minute. Yeah. So you're the traditional Renaissance man, multi-potentialite person, essentially. We all are deep down. Some are more than others. I mean, I, I consider true. myself to be that way too. I mean, you know, we've got friends. I've, I've talked about this on the show. We've got friends. We know people who they go to work and they go home and they do one to three things hobby wise. And that's all they do for their natural life. And that's fine. I mean, they love that stuff. And then there's people like us that you just kind of say, hey, let's try this for a while. And then, all right, cool. Let's move on to the next thing. And let's move on to the next thing. And, you know, we bounce around. We're the, see, I don't believe in ADD. I believe in a Renaissance man and or woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, like, why would we be forced to narrow ourselves down into the, paint ourselves into corners and just be this one thing or whatever? That was actually one one reason I really stepped back from my podcast yeah. and the TV shows and all that. Cause like once it got big enough and everyone's just like, you're a fitness guy, huh? It's like, man, I've been a freaking musician for like almost 30 years. And I yeah. don't like it when people are just like, you spend all your time in the gym and, yeah. and try to throw these things at you. So emotionally, I think for, for weird ADD creatives like us, we kind of have to be squirrely like that and, totally. and follow our own little instincts yeah. and obsessions because you can't rely on the people around you to tell you what to do next. No, it's true. I mean, I, I was huge into coffee. And for me, it was more of a fascination of what does it take to roast coffee? And then yeah. all of a sudden, I was known as the coffee guy. And I'm like, no, that's just one facet. Right. And then I'm over right. here talking about Star Trek Picard. And they're like, oh, you're a nerd. I'm like, well, n- yes and no. I mean, <laughs> there's so many right. things to say here. So you're right. People like to box you in because... I feel like we just have to have this label for people because we don't know what else to do. Yeah, which is really damaging because like this whole identity thing, like right now in the health space, I have all these people who are carnivores or call themselves carnivores who want to come on my podcast and all these people who are vegans who want to come on my podcast at the same time. And I'm just (laughs) like, okay, so all you vegans out there, you're never touching any bit of an an egg in anything. You're never having any dairy. You're not having any littlest hint of yeah. honey yeah. in any of your tea ever again in your entire life in all these carnivores it's like all right you're never going to have an herb or drink a tea or drink coffee again it's like give me a break like too, too much of an extreme yourself these, these things yeah <laughs> it's bizarre too because at the same time you see all this like everyone's been like you have to watch game changers well, what do you think about game oh, changers yeah everybody's like, been telling man, me that I've too seen so many vegan propaganda documentaries i've seen enough but finally i caved last night because i was literally introduced to the guy who made it oh okay (laughs) and i just couldn't i couldn't dodge it anymore and it's like okay man you are saying that it's plant-based what does that mean is is that vegan because i call the way that i eat plant-based because it's mostly by volume plants sure okay so you can never eat meat but it's totally okay if it's from gmo chemical companies that make this crap on an industrial scale and they're calling it burgers and fake chicken tenders and, <laughs> and fake bacon. This is supposed to be healthy and going to save the world. Give me a break. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And, and people need to be smarter. They need to watch out. Mm. They need to build up some defenses. Otherwise, we're just going to get sucked into the Borg. Totally. Assimilated. Assimilated. It's, it's so weird, but it's already happening. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many people have recommended Game Changers to me and have said that it's the best documentary they've seen on food and, you know, you should totally watch it. And I haven't yet. I think I saw, you know, just the preview for it. And that's about as far as I've gotten. And nothing against the guy if you know him and all that. I'm just curious. Is it worth watching? Because, you know, you watch those documentaries and you take them as gospel. and You think, oh, this is it. This is what I must follow. You know what I mean? It's a weird (laughs) thing when you see something on TV. And I noticed that when I was on, on TV. It's yeah. like people didn't take me seriously on my podcast when I was talking to like, you know, Harvard educated PhDs about deep scientific stuff. 
But like as soon as I was starring on a reality show, you're an expert everyone now. Took me seriously as an expert. What? A, yeah. What? <laughs> How does that work? So there is this weird thing that we have to get over where it's like if someone sees something printed in a book or someone watches something on a documentary, then they believe it as truth. Yeah. But it's just as likely BS as anything else that's out there, even more likely to be BS because, okay, it takes a lot of money to make a documentary. As I was watching this, I'm like, okay, where's the money coming from? Why are all these big wigs involved? Yeah. And what is the top-down narrative that they're supporting? Does it have anything to do with real food or protecting the environment for real? Or is it just making us more divisive and getting people who are virtue signaling to shame anyone else mm. for eating meat and just make everyone more confused? Yeah. You know, I am not against vegans, the way they live, the way they eat or anything like that. I think we should all be free to experiment. I've been vegan for a time and vegetarian and all that. I think it's really important. To do that, but don't watch these things at face value and then be like, I'm going to go vegan now because I watched a documentary yeah. about it. I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous, but that's literally what's happening. And these documentaries, and I'm not saying that this one is, is terrible. It's not, it's, it's okay. It's, it's pretty good, you know, but don't take it as truth. They're talking about very confusing and complicated things and trying to squish it into a documentary and you can't. Well, some of the best advice I ever received was eat what you like that also likes you back. Ooh, I like that. And I thought that is the simplest way to do it because, you know, everybody's body is different. And it's interesting because recently I was experiencing some weird symptoms and, you know, was affecting my voice. And I'm like, oh, hey, no, I I need my voice. You know, this is what I do for a living. (laughs) And this is not a good thing. And so, you know, there's a lot of theories going around like, well, okay, there's some winter allergies we've had. You're in Colorado now, so you're in South Colorado. So we've had some, some crazy snow. I don't know if you have, but we had snow. Yeah. Oh, it did. Oh, well, man, we've been in a weird Valley. We've been getting it this year. There was two weeks where we had snow every other day, which I've never seen before in Colorado, not where we live anyway, but we had snow sticking around from November until I think early February or maybe late January, which is unusual for us because of the sun we get. Right. And well, what does that do? It creates a bunch of molds within the snow, which surprisingly a lot of people don't know because I was mentioning that and they're like, wait, what? Oh my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, this just produces a bunch of mold and mold underneath. And then when the wind kicks up, you know, we're just breathing in all these mold spores. And if you have any sensitivities to them, you have allergies. Mm -hmm. So that was one theory. Other theories were, Brian, you talk too much. I'm like, yeah, but so do a lot of other people, you know? And then of course the other one was, oh, it's acid reflux. So take omeprazole. Mm -hmm. which, you know, destroys the stomach acid. So on one hand, you've got somebody in the Western medicine sphere saying you need to lower your stomach acid. And then on the other side of things, people are saying like the the functional medicine side of the sphere, they're saying, well, the reason you're having this is because you don't have enough stomach acid to close that, what they call the esophageal sphincter that, you know, allows food down, but shouldn't allow it back up sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, who's right? (laughs) Do I have too much or do I have too little? And so, you know, someone saying kill it with this drug and oh, by the way, you'll probably have side effects because most people who go on a meprazole are screwed for the rest of their life, essentially from a gut perspective. And then on the other hand, people are saying you have leaky gut, in which case we need to supplement with betaine, hydrochloric acid and, you know, other probiotics and wonderful things and stuff. And so, Yeah. yeah, you just everybody is so confident about what they believe and it's polar opposites. And that's yeah. what makes it so hard. <laughs> it does make it, it makes it hard for me too. That's yeah. one of the reasons I don't like watching documentaries about things Yeah, sometimes because it's like, I know how documentaries are made yeah. in some ways, but that still doesn't protect me from the propaganda that's within it. Because when you combine yeah. certain sounds and certain visuals with certain words, it does something to you. It programs us. That can be used for good or evil. And unfortunately, a lot of the time it's, it's not used for good. <laughs> Yeah, and true. you, you got to put your shields up. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I love all these little Star Trek references you keep uh, I'm throwing. Doing <laughs> Are you watching the new Star Trek Picard? Yes. Not like super closely because it didn't, you know, to be honest, it didn't draw me in right away. I was hoping to be enchanted because I love Picard as a character and yeah. an actor and, and all those from the Star Trek Next Generation days. I don't know. I'm not like super sucked in yet, but I'm definitely paying attention. Sure. It started to get cool in three or four, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. For me anyways. So you were a huge TNG fan then? As far as shows go, 
That is still my go-to. That's been my go-to like watch on demand <laughs> show for like 20 plus years. Nice. Yeah. It's endless almost. And I like yeah. the format where, yeah, it's cool to have things that are serial and a lot of things are now, but like those episodes where, you know, you could go for like 42 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever and get like this whole encapsulated story with a moral in it and like some climax in the middle and, and almost every episode, they, they almost blow up the enterprise, which is hilarious, <laughs> but yeah. But they always work it out by the end. And then it was great when they actually did blow up the Enterprise. Everyone's like, yeah, right. And, oh, you actually did right. finally. Oh, okay. <laughs> they had to do it at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the first episode drew me in immediately because of the way that they, they started it off as like almost a complete connection to the end of The Next Generation with uh, Nemesis, yeah. the movie. Yeah. They, I was surprised that they tied it directly to that movie. Oh, yeah. I don't remember being a kid and loving Star Trek the first time I saw it. I remember actually yeah. a lot of the episodes of The Next Generation were super lame, especially when I was a kid. Yeah. It's like, it's better now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I think they're doing a good job more than anything. We need it. We need yeah. a good show. Yeah, we, we need do. a good Star Trek show. We need a good Star Wars. Come on. Oh my gosh. Did you like the last movie? I don't even know if I watched it. I don't even the, remember them anymore because the, they're like... <laughs> There's nothing to remember. It's like, did you just do the same movie again? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, The Last Jedi was, um, when I first watched that movie, I thought, "Uh, okay, this one's okay. I don't know what just happened. And then I watched it again and I thought, this is bad. What the (laughs) heck? And then The Rise of Skywalker, you know, in December, it was like, okay, they they did the best they could to fix the mess. Well, Star Wars as a franchise was bought by the dark side, which is kind of hilarious. I know. Well, it's George Lucas's fault. He sold it. Yeah. He shouldn't have. I already made some bank off of yeah. all of these assets and toys. And that's been actually kind of a crushing thing as a kid who yeah. slept on Star Wars, you know, like blankets, literally. Oh, totally. Characters on it and, and, yeah. and all this stuff. It's like to see it just endlessly merchandised and, and commercialized out and driving all these franchises into the ground with reboots and stuff is just, yeah. it's sad. I think it's sad. Actually, just watch the Jay and Silent. Bob reboot or remake or whatever, I realized that comics and superheroes and all of that, at least to me, are way less cool now than they used to be. And mm. even nerd culture is becoming way less cool because it's getting so commercial. Yeah. And like all, it's like all the corporations realize that nerds are cool or are supposed to be or whatever. Yeah. So finally. they're pandering and, and taking control of, of actual movements and communities. Yeah. And it's kind of a bummer. Well, it's money based, you know, everything's money driven. And on one hand, I'm glad like the Mandalorian, I'm glad they created that show. It definitely was nowhere near as good as it should have been. But at the same time, you're right. It's just like, okay, okay, stop, stop just sucking us dry for money and serve the fans and the fans will then serve you. It will happen. I see a similar thing in music where it's like, whether you're talking about jazz standards or just like rock songs or pop songs. The songs that we're listening to are like 50 plus years old and it's all the same songs yeah. that have been played over and over and over and over. Not the good songs that were also on the albums of those bands from back in the day. We're not listening to full albums. Yeah. We're not listening to like yeah. the experiences that those bands created. We're just listening to these like one-off songs again and again at every wedding and at oh every little gosh. function and every yeah. mall. I mean, where's yeah. the new stuff? Where's the new Star Wars? Where's the new Jimi Hendrix? And like, God, yeah. enough with the Beatles. Enough with the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, I found some great new music, but it's different. It's not the blockbuster yeah. style, you know, like you mentioned the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix. And all. It's not that kind of stuff that changed our ears and changed our experiences. It's not like that, but it's new and it's good and it's different, but it's not top 40 either. It's the... You know, when I mention certain artists, they're like, who? I'm like, yeah, I know. These yeah. are these are indie artists, but they're better than the pop top 40 people for sure. And it's interesting, but it's been so fractured. It, it's yeah. become difficult to find new bands. And, and certainly like even the bands that are out there, like aren't focusing on albums as much because why no. would you? It's like you can't even sell it. Oh, it's, yeah. It's become a bizarre culture and circumstance for the creators out there because it's like, it's true. <laughs> how do I make this work? I have no idea. Well, you know, you think about some of the original albums and how they told a story and yep. going through them and just think, yeah, I may not like one or two of the songs on them. To be fair, I remember now, granted, I guess this was probably 90s and prior, maybe where you could get an album. You might not like one or two songs, but overall, you love the album. 
you've got the story. But then I think it was somewhere in the, I don't know, probably the late 90s. I really don't remember. But you got to a point where it's like, okay, I only like a couple songs on the album now. So I don't want to buy the whole album. I just want the song, which is, you know, then iTunes and then Spotify and all that stuff allowed you to do that, which thus killed the albums. But to be fair, many of the artists stopped creating good albums and just created a few good songs. And that was it. Yeah. Man, I know that's a good, I don't know what you do about that. It's very bizarre at the same time. If you're willing to take money out of the equation, or at least like paying directly for songs out of the equation, I've had millions of plays on, on Spotify and Pandora over the years. And I got, I got a check for $12. Are you serious? (laughs) I am serious. That's it. And, but at the same time, it's like, I put my music on like every single podcast that I put out. Yeah. And I get to jam with, some of my idols. And right now I'm working on a sound healing project with some friends from Nashville. Nice. And the Tim McGraw band and stuff. And it's like, oh, wow. we, we still get to do it. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. It could be better than this somehow. Wait, so I, you're I, telling me millions of plays only netted you $12 from Spotify? I think it was 1 million, 12 bucks. 1 million plays, $12. Wow. Yeah. Now they I, don't but listen, they don't give you the accounting on this, by the way. It's not. Oh, of course not. There's no like math there. They're just like, all right, here's 12 bucks. Well, I th- wasn't it Taylor Swift a couple of years ago that said I'm not getting on Spotify because I don't get paid anything. Yeah. Wasn't that? Yeah, her? I believe it was. There have been a lot of stinks that have been put up by A-list celebrities over the years and they've tried to start their own things. And, and most of those seem like they come and go and still don't work but yeah. we need a better way to handle music than spotify spotify sucks man well I, i'm really i get <laughs> angry during the day because like <laughs> it'll start playing stuff that i was totally not listening to one thing that's so simple is like i like listening to music with no words to interfere with my work when sure. i'm doing work that's sure. writing and it'll just like as soon as the album's done it's just like something completely different and the beatles are singing again it's like Dude, I have thumbed down the Beatles oh my every single time. Yeah. Stop it. Well, I'll tell you this, that I love Spotify for the sake of me putting my own playlist together, but I'm a former radio DJ, so I used to right. do that. I love yeah, creating. Yeah. And there's a value in it. Yeah. Like, let me share music with others. People are like, what do I listen to? Oh, let me tell you. You know, I love doing that and I love putting my own playlist together. But uh, no, Spotify doing its own algorithm. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. And as a platform, it's just, it's just failed me anyway. So mm-hmm. many times. That's too bad. I'm annoyed. I want there to be something better, but it's like, I don't, it seems like they just keep squashing any competition or something. Music deserves to be better than what we're getting right now. And, oh, and there's also something weird about on Twitch and stuff where you see these musicians playing for tips and stuff. And, and I used to live stream and play too, but it, it just feels so dance monkey dance to me. Oh yeah. You know, it feels so cheap. So I was in the Christian radio industry for a few years. And when I, first got started into it you know these were some bands that no one had ever heard of you know it was like like skillet and i mean if you've ever heard of any of these bands they're like oh they're huge now well you know nobody knew about them back then you know yeah they were getting started and then they got in and then they hit their peak i think right around 2000 probably 2008 to 2011 somewhere in there and you know they were doing great there was some incredible music coming out i mean beyond amazing stuff and then in 2013 2014 it's like they just all quit not all of mm-hmm. them. Some of the big ones stuck around, but they just all quit because there was no more money in it. And so they yeah. said, we can't, you know, we can't feed our families. We're on the road all the time. It's just not feasible anymore. And who's buying music? Well, at the time it was the 45 to 65 year old women demographic. They're not <laughs> listening to this music. They're listening to the lighter, whatever pop stuff that, you know, and so then all of these bands either quit or they sold out and changed their style. You're <laughs> just right. like, Oh, come on. But, you know, and I saw that industry, that Christian industry go from we're music with a mission to let's see how much money we can make. And I just went, oh, Oh, that's just I didn't realize that happened to the Christian industry as well. Now, granted, this was, like I said, 2014, 2015. So we're five years removed from that. But there were some very bad things that happened behind the scenes that, of course, most people don't even know about. But I was in it. I knew it. I saw it. And I was like, this is wrong. It's wrong. Well, and at one point, some of the stations wouldn't even allow artists on their stations that were black. What? It was the Southern stations that just kind of said, yeah, we'll play the the white rap artists, but we won't play the black rap artists. And that's changed, thankfully. But when I was in that industry, they weren't. And so I was like, well, I'll interview you guys. And I did a show and actually interviewed a bunch of Christian rap artists. And I'm like, I don't care what color you are. This is ridiculous. We shouldn't care. This is is so dumb. (laughs) Come on my show and share your story. And that was awesome. We had a good time. 
but yeah, that's crazy. That's nuts. And then another thing is I interviewed a band once. Sorry, I'm like going off on a rabbit trail here, but this is just interesting. I like it. I brought them on and they were amazing musicians. They were the kind that uh, this, in my opinion, the, the lead singer, lead musician, lead content creator, whatever. He was a genius when it came to music. Yeah. He was telling me stuff. Now I was trained in music. I got a music minor. I would have done a major, except I didn't want to do five years in college. And, you know, I was trained classically played piano since I was six. So it's like, I knew most of what he was talking about, but then he started going off and I'm like, okay, I've never even heard of this stuff. And just a full on genius. He created this stuff and he went with the record label. They were young kids, you know, I think they were probably 20 years old, something like that, you know, just out of, just out of high school or in college or whatever. And they came in and they said, no, we don't want you to do that experimental stuff. We want you to do, you know, this, keep it simple, keep it well. And it was good. And then the record companies and all that kind of destroyed their, their image and their joy of music. And so they left and they started doing stuff on their own and creating all of this experimental stuff, you know, a la David Bowie styles. Yeah. And they had a fun time. It didn't sell as much, but they loved it. They re found their joy for music and, and they retired happy. So it's nice. You just gotta, you've got to have that joy. It's not all about money. I know you got to pay your bills about making a living. And and when you hear like this band, they needed more money than they were getting. They're just in it for the money. So, you know, if you're a touring musician, even at like top level game, you're pulling in like 20 grand a year, yeah. 30 grand a year. You know what I mean? Like it's that's bad. like as good as it gets for what the 99.5%, maybe even 99.9%. That's kind of as good as it gets, Yeah, which is amazing. So these people are working for a living, not yeah. for money. They're doing it. You know, the, the survivors are the ones who have the passion for it. It's true. Yeah, I went to a, uh, a music festival slash like a training camp or whatever once, and I got a chance to sit down with some of the top bands, and they were they were just like, if you're thinking about going into music and they want to get signed, don't. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. but you guys are famous. Like, yeah, we don't write our own music though. So they would have, you know, these songwriters coming in and doing that, and they, would, they were their performers. Well, they didn't own any rights to anything. And so they were saying that even us getting, you know, we're, we have platinum records, essentially, you're right. They were making 30, 40,000 a year. That was it because the record label owned everything. And the only way they made their money was on merchandise. Now the songwriters can make money sometimes, but sometimes, yeah, man, but only some like only the chosen ones, only the ones who are in that, that group, the inner circle in that circle. Yeah. That industry is, is very much, you know, having been to a few of those parties and, and, connected with a few of those people it's a very like insular type of environment that is not friendly to Mm. everyone you know even me like as a yankee being down south in nashville (laughs) was not looked kindly upon by a lot of people you know what i mean interesting like even as a singer in nashville i experienced that now if i put a little twang in my voice i might get a lot more of a response it was interesting it was kind of like that in texas too but more so in nashville yeah do you find in colorado that nobody cares everybody's just like whatever man dude no one cares here. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. Everyone cared in Nashville. Oh, yeah. A lot of people didn't like that. I was from the north and I was like technically, I don't know. Nashville is not even south. But like, yeah, true. For some reason in, in Colorado, there isn't that like this land is mine and I've been here my whole life. Yeah, there's it's much more friendly to transplants. And I think a lot of people, it seems like chose this place because they love the outdoors and they like the freedom of getting out and, and being active. And so there's kind of that cool. I like Colorado a lot for yeah. the people because of that, where it's just like, they're here for the right reasons yeah. for the most part, not everyone. And obviously cities get really crowded full of all kinds of people, which is great and terrible. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the Colorado folks are our folks. It's a good state. It is, but don't come here. <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't really. It's uh, we did, there's a lot of snow. It's been snowing for 360 days. Just, <laughs> Full of mold and the bears. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I heard that you and Allison dealt with carbon monoxide poisoning yeah. and almost died from it. What happened? When was this? That was this past summer of, of 2019. Oh my God. We were at a rental where I was recording my podcast and, and, and doing a lot of work. We were sleeping there, living there, all that. And the hot water went out. The furnace stopped working correctly. And the people in charge weren't on the ball, let's say. And so as the the furnace kind of failed, it developed a gas. It started leaking carbon monoxide and actually some some 
flammable gas as well. And it seeped up through the walls and through the house into where we were sleeping. Oh, man. And carbon monoxide is a, is a silent gas. You can't smell it. Mm-hmm. You don't know when it's there unless there are detectors set up where you're sleeping. Yeah. So this house didn't have them set up, even though by law they're supposed to be. So yeah. we didn't know this. And there were a lot of symptoms. Nausea. I couldn't breathe. We started bleeding. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just horrible, horrible stuff. Once we realized what was going on, got out of there and moved everything literally in gas masks wow. uh, as, as quickly as we could. But the damage that was done was really bizarre and rough. Hmm. I had a bad bike accident when I was younger and had a severe concussion. And that's the closest thing I've ever um, had to the carbon monoxide poisoning. But it was attacking the nervous system and the brain. Hmm. And I couldn't speak for a couple of days. I, I mean, I wow. could make some words, but I couldn't speak the way I wanted to. And when I tried, I didn't even try for a couple of weeks because I was in so much pain. But when I tried to play guitar, I couldn't. And mm. I'm someone who can play guitar, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do it for a long time. And, and uh, that was so scary. Yeah. I didn't know if I would ever get better or Allison um, or our dog as well. She was poisoned. Too. And so, yeah, it was, it was really rough coming back from that. And one of the biggest things that I would pass along is number one, make sure you have smoke detectors with batteries in them <laughs> and make sure that you have carbon monoxide detectors wherever you're sleeping, your kids, everybody in your boat, in your RV, everywhere you can. They cost like 15 bucks. Yeah. Just do it. Um, check them every three months. Yeah. Check them. Replace the batteries every six months. Especially going into seasons where you're getting cold and, and where air isn't flowing freely throughout your house. Just make sure that you have those. So number one, do that and, and make sure that they're running and you're protected. But number two, when you're coming back, if you ever do get injured with a concussion or a neurological thing like that, the thing that punished me the most was trying to come back too fast. Mm. For me, as someone who loves to achieve stuff and go on adventures and do things, Having to slam on the brakes, lose a bunch of money, and just ruin a bunch of products. My new book that was going to come out like totally ruined the launch and ruined just like everything. So being mad about that and being unable to work when I tried to would set me back. Oh, that was rough. So if you are coming out from something like that, know that uh, you know once I kind of got the handle of that and realized that rest was what I needed to get better, mm. I started to get better, and it took months. Yeah. And I'm still not totally better. And I still have symptoms and Allison does too. Hmm. But it's getting better. And there are a lot of things that you can do to improve your your body's health and your neurological condition. And even all of like all of the brain cells that I lost and all the damage that was done, I have no idea what even happened. But it was bad. But I cannot believe how well we've been able to come back from it. Because as you mentioned, you know, it's pretty recent. That was like seven months ago, a little yeah. more. And that's not much time. It felt like forever. Yeah. But that's not much time. I'll just give one to the human body for all of this. If you treat oh, yeah. it right and you feed it right and you don't abuse it, we can come back from, from the worst things imaginable. My PT has always said, never underestimate the body's ability to heal itself if you treat it well. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, thank you for sharing this too, because I've known others who have gone through carbon monoxide poisoning. And I know that this can cause brain damage and permanent health conditions. And, you even said yourself, you're not 100% healed. Can you give us like one to three top things that you specifically have been doing to recover besides yeah. sleep? I mean, you mentioned sleep, like rest and sleep, sleep is huge. Sleep is huge. Yeah, that's, it should go without saying, but like I'll say it again, <laughs> sleep is one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Uh, and quality sleep, making sure it's dark. I'm, I'm a very picky sleeper. I'll wake up, so things have to be perfect. Treat yourself to that. Another thing that really helped me was sweating. I like running, but not necessarily sprinting at a super fast pace for a whole marathon like I used to. Yeah. Going out for a few miles and just going for a little jog or a walk with the dog, getting a light sweat going really helped. And then the mineral springs here in Colorado hmm. and the hot springs really can help you get a sweat going. And also you can absorb nutrients from the water and it, it can be very therapeutic. So we hit up hot springs several times a week for a lot of that. And that helped a lot with the muscle pain and kind of the nerve pain. It would feel good at the time. Then it would feel terrible that night afterwards. Yeah. And then the next morning you'd wake up feeling pretty good. 
Nice. So that's another thing. Sometimes the things that are making you better make you temporarily worse, and then huh. you got to get some rest and recovery. Then you come back better. So be patient with yourself, and also realize that you have plenty of time. That's advice that I've needed over the years, and I get every once in a while. It's like <laughs> cut it out. You have plenty of time. <laughs> be patient with your body. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm glad you're doing better. Glad you're both doing. Right. All, you're, all three of you are doing better. That's that's important. And my goodness, what a scary thing Ooh. to go through. Yeah, that was that was a close one. But if the only good thing that comes out of it is I'm like the safety guy who reminds people allegedly forever to install their carbon monoxide detectors. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm cool to be that guy because I know what we're preventing. Yeah. In our city, we have the the city will do a free healthy homes assessment, which they'll go through and they'll talk about air quality and the stuff that you're using, like your soaps and detergents and checking for leaks in the ceiling. Like, you know, they're looking at everything. Infrared scans. It's really, really cool. They actually bring in carbon monoxide and uh, smoke detectors for you. Here you go. Have one. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's really, really a neat service, but I learned so much. And, you know, we did like a radon test. Well, we're second story and we had high radon. And I thought, where's this coming no from? Way. So, you know, wow. little things like that, that you just realize, man, I had no idea. And just be a little bit more intentional, a little more careful than we have been. You never know. So it's, yeah. it's good to get that stuff checked out. It's good to air things out and. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's scary and stuff. I will say we had two air purifiers running that were also quantifying everything. Wow. And didn't warn us. We had multiple windows open. We were doing a lot of things right and it still happened to us. So wow. I don't, I don't want to teach people to be paranoid or anything, but oh, no, just be careful. the idea that you could walk into like an Airbnb or a rental or a hotel mm. room and assume that it's safe isn't something we can afford to do, unfortunately. Yeah. Be vigilant. That's the best thing to do is be, be vigilant. vigilant. Yeah, be vigilant. I want to get talking about your new book, Designer Babies. Still get scabies. I love the title, by the way. It's, Thank you. It's great. I've had fun with this. I want to talk about other stuff, but we'll just have to have you back on. It'll be fun. Anytime, man. Let's do it in like, you know, a couple months and then we'll we'll, we'll finish up our uh, I would love to. That would be great. Yeah, that'll be good. So what, first of all, inspired you to write this book? I know you've got some stuff to kind of talk about it which I'm, I'm very interested to hear just kind of the whole idea behind it, the inspiration behind it. After that whole TV show craziness and, and just the big wave of attention that came from that, I, I didn't want to put out 15 diet books. I wanted it to be a great book that people could have forever that mm-hmm. would serve them and not just like keep doing that. And so that created some space for me to start playing music and, and writing again. But one thing that's happened and I don't know how much you've come up against this, Brian, but shadow banning and censorship and not being allowed to use certain words in titles or, mm. or while speaking on podcasts and stuff like that. It sounds very obtuse and like something that might not be that big of a deal. But for someone like me, if I'm not allowed to talk about certain topics or if I, I know that it's going to get the video deleted or I can't upload it to YouTube or it disappears or something like that, it's... It makes it a lot more difficult to move this whole process and movement forward and educate yeah. people. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, I just couldn't handle biting my tongue. Also, I'm kind of, I try to be someone who brings people together, who get the carnivores and the, the vegans to agree about something nice. that we're all health nuts and we should get along. Yeah. You know? But I disagree with a lot that's happening right now with a lot of things that are going down. And if I openly speak out against it, it's not necessarily appropriate and it might not be funny sure. and it might be completely unsolicited. But yeah. if you're willing to write clever little silly rhyming poems, it doesn't matter if you're writing about something super offensive because you kind of hide the truth within those and you have to do the work in order to get the message. Sure. And so I tried to have fun kind of baking in all of these things that I don't agree with into a book of silly rhymes where like... I'm trolling the trolls. I'm trolling the people who are in power, the people who are running the patriarchy, the people who are buying my name on social media so that they can sell you keto butter bombs or whatever. (laughs) I'm I'm trolling these people back in kind of a silly, funny way where we can all process what's happening to us. The sexism, the injustice, the, the power-hungry elites who are stealing all of our money yeah. through banking and crashes and, and all this other crap. And I just I try to put it into cute little poems that might not seem that outrageous at first, but actually do get to, to some sort of point that I'm trying to make mm-hmm. some of these things. 
it's difficult to openly disagree with people these days, especially as oh, someone yeah. who wants to keep the peace. I also need to exp- <laughs> express my truth. And I can stand here not saying certain words now today on podcasts and that sort of thing because I got a lot out of my system writing this nasty little book. (laughs) (laughs) A nasty little book. That's funny. (laughs) I'm in the same boat. Like the real Brian show has always been about being positive and, you know, inspiring people to unleash their superhero, unleash their inner nerd, have fun. You know, we're talking about a lot of things, but there are things sometimes I know, I know you've experienced the same thing. We see things, we experience things and you just kind of go, seriously, we just can't stay silent about this. We've got to talk yeah. about this. But you are right that, you know, sometimes when you speak up about this kind of thing, let's be honest, if I'm a listener, I might be going, well, where did this come from? <laughs> Here we yeah, are talking totally. about Star Trek Picard and then boom, it's all about road rage. What the heck? You know, what's going on here? And it, it just comes down to that when people are not expecting this kind of thing, when they're not soliciting, like you said, this conversation or this commentary you know what I'm talking they get about steamrolled by a message that they didn't want. You know, it's yeah. just like if I come on here and I'm just like talking about how great some political candidate is. What? Yeah. Stop that. <laughs> exactly. That's one thing I've I've stepped back from on a lot of TV shows. I've said this on the show many, many times now is that I'm tired of agendas being put into good stories. They're they're yeah. killing the stories in order to promote an agenda and so, you know, you, you watch comedians and um, I've watched a few comedians in cars getting coffee and, and it's been fascinating to hear how many of them say comedians are depressed and angry and blah, blah, blah. And we just hide it through our comedy. And I thought, huh, that makes a lot of <laughs> sense, actually. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same kind of thing, you know, where you get to express your truth and, and your frustrations through comedy and rhymes and fun, fun poems, essentially. And you're still getting the message out there, but you get to do it on your own terms and you're not necessarily steamrolling anyone, you know? Yeah. Here it is. So I think that's important because like I'm honored that people ask me for advice sometimes. Yeah. But like unsolicited advice is one of the worst (laughs) things out there. It really is. And it's like, who am I to give advice? Who are you to give advice? It's like, no, we we know how to run shows on on the radio or the virtual radio (laughs) or whatever. And we all need to get our own power back. And that's, that's one thing that I try to pass along. It's like, I'm not your guru. I am not the expert. I've been doing this for a while and I kind of get some stuff and I can help you out. But like, it's all on you. We all have to take our own power back. Yeah. And it's okay to share things. You know, if you experience something, you learn something, you're inspired by something, it's okay to share it and say, Hey, I just learned something today. Take, take it as you will. You don't have to do anything with it, but I just want to share it. And it's okay to disagree. We're like not allowed to disagree about anything or like use words that offend someone else ever. And it's just like, come on, we can't all be walking on eggshells being shamed. And yeah, that's not what a real person should be like is just cowering and afraid. No, we should be self-actualized and living the lives that we actually want to. And we can, but we have to take that back. And I think for me, yeah, getting the frustration out really helps. (laughs) And so if, if you're out there listening, like, Try scribbling in a book, doing some jumping jacks, punching a pillow or whatever. Yeah. Get all of this, this nasty energy out because I feel like there's more of it than ever. Like the, the internet that I started podcasting in is totally different than the toxic stew uh-huh. that we're all marinating in now. Yeah, it's true. I know. And I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media, as I've said many times on the show. You got to be there sometimes, but I don't want to be there because of the toxicity. But there are places where it's not toxic. I got to You'll love this one. I heard something uh, where they were doing a recipe Facebook group. A friend of ours, you know, he he was saying that, yeah, uh, it's more toxic in the recipe Facebook group than the political Facebook groups (laughs) because somebody got in and said, hey, try my white chicken chili, which is a real recipe, by the way. The guy got called racist and banned from the group. (laughs) I just thought, wait, what? And I said, well, I was getting ready to cook with kidney beans, but that would have made me a communist. So thank God I didn't. <laughs> oh, what that, that's a perfect example of how oh. ridiculous. Yeah, we've gone too far. We need to take a step back and be like, guys, guys, respect and value each other regardless. Or let's just make fun of it. You know, well, that's true. Let's too. make fun of ourselves. <laughs> let's not take ourselves so seriously. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, Abel, thank you so much. By the way. I really love Designer Baby Still Get Scabies. Great book so far. I, I haven't read all of the poems yet, but I've really enjoyed them. Hopefully, if people read it and like it, they'll start writing their own rhyme. 
expressing yeah. their own truth because that's what we all need. I want to I want to read your rhymes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm terrible at rhyming. Uh, I've tried writing <laughs> poems and and that's never going to happen, which is why I don't actually write lyrics to music. But I express my thoughts here on this show. That's my way of doing it. But I love the book. Highly you recommend it, well. it. Well, thank you. And so tell us how we can get in touch with you, how we can get the book. And of course, by the way, The Wild Diet, that book, man, we still use it to this day. Such a great awesome. book. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. I mean, love the recipes. It's it's helping my health. So highly, I always recommend that book. Highly, highly. Thank you so much. If you're interested in The Wild Diet, Fat Burning Man and all of that, check out the Fat Burning Man podcast. But even better, go to fatburningman.com. And you can find over 300 episodes, full transcripts, totally free. And you can find some of our courses and other books in the health side of things. And then if you're interested in me ranting about the terrible state of the world, <laughs> then check out Designer Babies Still Get Scabies on Amazon. Or if you go to designerbabiesbook.com, designerbabiesbook.com, then I show you how I give away the audiobook for free when you grab a paperback copy. And it's not expensive. It's not like one of these 50 or $27 books or anything like that. We're self-publishing it. We want to get it out there and have some fun with you guys. So go check it out at designerbabiesbook.com. Love it. And by the way, uh, the audiobook is fun to listen to as well because you read it and I get to hear all your inflections and it's fun. Oh, yeah. I, I went in deep for that one. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, and Fat Burning Man, by the way, still an, an amazing podcast, amazing show. So if you've never listened to it, definitely get it on your list because it's one of those shows that I still learn stuff. In fact, we were just talking about light therapy and not that long ago, your email comes out with, hey, we're talking about light therapy. I'm like, no way. <laughs> this is great. So, you know, just phenomenal stuff on that show. And I'm, I'm still glad you're doing it, even though I know you got to you got to break a little while, but keep yeah, doing it. It's a great show breaks every once in a while. But Brian, you're doing great work. Really, really happy to collaborate. I oh, appreciate it. Abel, thank you for being on the show and taking time. Thanks for having me. Abel James here on the real Brian show. Abel, thank you again. Go give Abel some love. Check out his stuff. If you want more information on how to keep your health up and do that kind of thing, like I said, go back and listen to episode 65 back in 2017. If you want to go over to fatburningman.com, you can listen to his show. There's the wild diet over there. Designerbabiesbook.com. That's his designer babies still get scabies. And these links will be in the show notes over at the real Brian show. Just go to real show.com slash two sixteen. All right. You know what the music means. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate that. Don't forget to join our Friday episodes. Always keeping those going, having some fun. You know, Fridays is where we get to kind of just let loose, end the week right, and have a good time. So come hang out with us. And then, of course, next Monday, another TRB Unleashed interview. It's going to be phenomenal. Have a glorious rest of your day. This is The Real Brian Show signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.